Now, we're continuing our Fit for Life series this weekend, thinking about being spiritually fit. And, and we're thinking about one of the peaks of Timberline, Love Reaches, Love Reaches. And our, our peak pastor for that particular area is Pastor Mark. And he has a very special guest to introduce uh, to us today. I've already got to meet her. And many of you know this lady, but uh, you are going to enjoy meeting her too. Mark. Thank you, Pastor Jeff. I'm excited to introduce to you, and as Pastor Jeff said, many of you know Gwen Kovac, who has been a part of our Timberline family for 37 years. And it's it, when we talk about missions at Timberline, Gwen embodies so much of that value uh, here uh, uh, at Timberline. She's been a part of our family for 37 years, and 21 of those in full-time mission service in Latin America, both in Guatemala and Peru. She has hosted numbers of Timberline teams there, and she has come home. Welcome back. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Gwen has, has come back to be with her family here and with her mom in Fort Collins, and, and we get to celebrate with you the legacy uh, that God has given you and us through your ministry uh, on the mission field. We, she got back just last Sunday. Usually we like to let people rest a little bit, but we just put her right to work and <laughs> asked her to come and share uh, with us this morning. Gwen, how did, would, tell us briefly, how did God prompt you to go from part of the family here at Timberline into full-time mission service? Well, actually, I've done a number of short-term mission trips. And this last time I told my mom, who my father had just passed away, and I left and I said, I'll be back in two years, as I took a leave of absence from my teaching job at Thompson R2J School District. And I now come back 21 years later. <laughs> two years, 21 years. Good. Tell you, Timberline is, is truly a missions church, and God has allowed us to, to just really be... I think what God has called us to be in so many ways as it pertains to mission. You've experienced that on both sides, here as part of the family uh, in Timberline and as part of our family on the mission field. How has that conviction, Timberline's conviction and commitment to missions, impacted you in Latin America as a missionary? Let love live. Also, and being a Christian kind of makes you feel that you need to have a good testimony, and sometimes when I wanted to strangle someone, uh, I remember that let love live is our theme, and I know that the prayer team here was praying for me to be a good Christian, as well as for our ministry, and as well as that, um, the many friendships, the teams that have come down, medical teams, and many youth teams, and they have left a great impact, and I thank you, all of you, for your love, your kindness, and all of your support and prayer, friendship, and finances. Well, thank you. We thank you so much for your legacy and, and, and I think just really being what God has called us to be and, and for us to be able to share in that. Well, one more question. Earlier in the year, you, you, there are several of us who pray for our missionaries on a regular basis, and you sent a prayer request that... that uh, at that particular time of the year, the, the rivers in the jungles had washed up hundreds, I believe maybe thousands of boa constrictors into the region where you traveled and, and a church that you served there. And you asked us to pray for you and safety and, and the people there. I, I cannot imagine that. Um, we did pray for you. I also know that you used to babysit Pastor Derry when he was a young boy. 
And my question is, which of those two was more traumatic for you? <laughs> well, I love Pastor Derry, and I'm glad we're both from the same human species. <laughs> good, good, good. I'm glad to hear that. Well, again, we, we, we're going to have a party. We were already talking a lot about having a, a celebration where we can hear a lot more of the stories, because I know there's so much more, and we really look forward to that soon, to celebrate uh, what God has done through your ministry. Could you do one more thing while you're up here? I'm going to ask our El Salvador teams to come up. We have two teams that are going out this month. Our, our youth team, our young people are going out, 12 of them, th- later this week to serve in El Salvador. And then we have an adult and youth team that are going, 16 of us, uh, on July 23rd through the 30th. And I would love for you, as we always do, to, to lead us in prayer, to send these guys out for God's providence and protection over them. And as we just join in a congregation, do, do you know any Spanish? Un poco. I, I thought you might. <laughs> if you could lead us in Spanish, I, I would love that. And if you guys could just join in your hearts in prayer, maybe, Gwen, if you could go to that side and we'll just kind of surround them in, in, in prayer this morning. Padre nuestro, qué privilegio tenemos, Señor, estar aquí juntos esta mañana. Padre, tú ves estos dos grupos que van a salir muy pronto para El Salvador. Cuídalos, guárdalos, protéjalos, Padre, en todo momento, dándoles sabiduría y tu protección. Gracias, Padre. Te alabamos, te glorificamos en tu nombre. Amén. Amén. Thank you so much. Could you express your appreciation to this team and to Gwen? Thanks, you guys. Please remember them also this month in your prayers this week and later in, in, in the month as they go and, and serve. You know what, Gwen is so brave. That must have been a, a really scary experience uh, babysitting Pastor Darry, don't you Absolutely. think? That, that, Absolutely. That would be tough. You've been here for about 18 months, uh, Mark. Which, how, how do you see Timberline impacting the world around us beyond the, the walls of the church here? I think it's easy to see Timberline historically in so many ways through things like the, the, the expansion of the Youth Count campaign and Operation Christmas Child and, and our medical missions and, and a history, a rich, rich history of missions and things that continue to grow and as God continues to stir people's hearts. I would say in the last year and a half, one, a few things that I've seen where God has just specifically raised up some new people in different areas. There is a growing passion uh, I believe for prayer as it pertains to missions and just an understanding that that this is something that we have to address in prayer and, and that kind of support for missionaries and people that we're working with in other countries. So numbers of people who are involved in that. Our Welcome Child Orphan Care Ministry has grown tremendously in its reach we, globally and locally. We're supporting sponsoring uh, orphanages now in Haiti and in Guatemala. Locally, no, numbers of families who are, are adopting, an increasing number of families who are adopting and being foster parents. Uh, we, uh, I think of people like Lorraine Myers, who leads our birth mother's ministry, who within Welcome Child, uh, who, ladies from our church who go out and, and mentor young women who have, are pregnant unexpectedly and just coming alongside them and sharing the love of Christ with them and, and journeying with them. I think of families like the Cuevas family, who's, who just left this week. 
uh, to go for two and a half years to China. People who are go- doing midterm missions now. Who, this is a family who has resigned their jobs and, and sold their house and, and are just going out in obedience for two and a half years to be a part of God's work there in China. And numbers of young adults in our congregation that are doing things like that. And not necessarily as career missionaries, but just seeing what, what God could do through them for an extended period of time in our local community. Uh, I think of leaders like Ron Hedrick and, and others who are looking at new ways that, that we can take church out into the community. This is building on the success of the bridge ministry that we experienced last uh, Christmas and, and looking at in this year and in the coming year, how could we journey deeper with those families and, and build deeper relationship with them. People who are mentoring uh, at-risk youth in our community. So there's, there's numbers and numbers of ways. And of course, people's generosity and giving. People who continue and, and new people who give monthly through a faith promise to support over 80 missionaries that we support on the mission field. You know, as you hear about all of that, I'm sure there are those of us who are saying, right, how do I get more information? How do I get involved? How do we help them? I'm glad you asked. Some of my favorite people are in the mall this weekend. We have eight tables in the mall that represent a number of different ways that people could engage in different areas of ministry. They would love to talk with you this weekend after the service. Please stop by people from our orphan care ministries. Three trips that are coming up this fall. One to Dearborn, Michigan, ministering to Muslims there, uh, Mexico, an orphanage in Guatemala, and a number of other ways. So we would love to, to share more with you after the service out in the mall. Pastor Jeff, you've, I've said enough. You've got a, a message to preach here, so let's get at it. All right. Thanks. Let's say thanks to Pastor Mark, shall we? Wow, there's a lot going on. While in the, as we continue to think about this, this theme of, of love uh, reaches and continue this series, Fit for the Journey, we are going to take a look this weekend for a few minutes at the planting of the church at Philippi. Uh, it happened around A.D. 50. This was the historic moment when at last the gospel uh, arrived in Europe. And so we're going to have a look at Acts chapter 16 and verse 6. Let me read for us. Acts 16. Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. And when they came to the border of Mycenae, they tried to enter Bithynia, But the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So they passed by Mycenae and went down to Troas. And during the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. I had a fantastic experience this week because some of you will know that I've been a little nervous of of, uh, of riding horses. They, they They don't come with an emergency brake or a or a steering wheel. So I've not been that thrilled about that idea, but uh, t- together with Steve Carrier, a friend here from Timberline, and Pastor Dick Foth, uh, we three intrepid horsemen went out um, this, uh, this last week, and we had an amazing time. We've got some photographs, I think, of our time together. Uh, uh, that's me on the right. That's not me in the middle there. Uh, <laughs> Just to be uh, absolutely clear, uh, there's, there's a couple of cowboys there. There's me with my very attractive cowboy hat, I think. And uh, there's my horse in prayer uh, right there. Uh, Lord, help me. And there's my horse saying to Dick's horse, I've got a right one here. Uh, we had an amazing time. And there was a, there was a, 
A moment during our ride when Steve showed us the old wagon trail. He showed us how the trail had been, had been cut through. And for a couple of minutes we stood and talked together and wondered at the amazing courage and tenacity of those early pioneers as they opened up the West. And then we, we went home and had dinner. And I wonder whether there's a danger of us doing that when we think about missions. We celebrate the, the courage and bravery of a wonderful lady like Gwen and we send the El Salvador team out. We, we celebrate the pioneers and then we go have lunch and carry on with life as usual. And the truth is that it's important to do that celebration, but God wants us all to live Missionally, if we are going to be fit for life, then we need to be mission people. The danger is that we just accumulate information. Uh, every now and again, uh, preachers hear this statement that's always mildly terrifying because you're never sure how to respond to it. Someone comes up to the preacher and they say, I'm not being fed. Which is usually a statement made by the under threes, you know, if I'm really honest about that. Uh, we are responsible for feeding ourselves. But the danger is that we can be fed either by preaching or by our own study, but we just get fed up. Did you know that this weekend, Fourth of July weekend, there is a hot dog eating competition? Has anyone heard about this? It's actually being covered as a sport on ESPN. I am stunned by the grossness of this. In fact, the last guy to win it, I understand, ate 68 hot dogs and buns in 10 minutes. I never want to meet that man. And the danger is that we can get fed. Yeah, yeah, I've got all this information and I, I, I can quote you all these scriptures. And it's important to understand and memorize and know scripture. But what are we doing with it? Do we celebrate the pioneers and then just go have lunch? And I think there are some things in this story of the church beginning in Philippi that can help us. Follow with me. If you're following along in the bulletin, the first thing to know is that we are part of the mission of God and he directs it. We are part of the mission of God and he directs it. Look at verse 10. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Paul and his team had been travelling around and were attempting to go into a number of different cities to share the gospel message. But it's a, it's a rather strange thing, because on two occasions we are simply told that the Spirit of Jesus prohibited them. In fact, in the Greek text, it's a very strong word. No, don't go there. God was obviously intending for uh, Paul and his team to go to Philippi, this, this prosperous, proud Roman colony in what is now modern day Greece. The Holy Spirit had to say to Paul, don't do that, do this, because God is the director of the mission. It's his mission. It's not our thing. I think we get into trouble when we just try and take the initiative and then hope that God will bless us. We've been having a, a bit of a challenge out at our house with birds. I love birds. How I rejoiced this morning at 4.30 when they greeted the dawn with their praises. 
Hallelujah, I said to Kay, hand me my tambourine. <laughs> but I've got to tell you, uh, we've been having a bit of a, can I put it like this, a dive bombing problem with the birds. They use our deck for target practice, and one of them, an evil bird, indeed an angry bird, it actually thinks that our grill is a bathroom. This does not help the flavour of the steak, I discern. So I decided to take the initiative and I went out and got myself a large plastic owl of the type you see in Alfred Hitchcock's Psycho. And I parked the owl on the grill. That will do it, honey, I said to my wife. This will scare the birds away from the grill. This was the actual result of my taking the initiative. <laughs> the bird showed up and said, Hello, Mummy! <laughs> you see, sometimes our good ideas are bad ideas. The Holy Spirit said, No, don't do that, go there. John Taylor says the chief actor in the historic mission of the Christian church is the Holy Spirit. He's the director of the whole enterprise. The mission consists of the things that he is doing in the world. What a relief that is. Because you see, sometimes I try and do the mission thing. Are you like me? Let's just be honest about this. Do you ever go to the grocery store and the cashier says that'll be $27.38 and you live with this lingering neurosis that as you pay... You're supposed to say, and by the way, did you know that Jesus paid the price for your sins? I, I kind of live with that thought that I've got to turn every conversation around to Jesus. Now, there are some people, they're called evangelists, and I'm not just talking about people who stand on platforms. That's a poor definition. There are some of us who have a gift of evangelism, who are able to do that very naturally and easily. We're not all called to do that. We are all called to be witnesses. The mission is not ours to try and make it happen. The challenge is to make ourselves available to conversations and moments that God creates. In fact, it seems when you study the New Testament, that the imperative needs to be that, or seems to be, that we... We are willing, 1 Peter 3.15, to give a reason for the hope that is within us as we make Christ our Lord. Often the church has been guilty of giving the answers when no one was actually getting around to asking the questions. But that doesn't, don't, don't go away from that and say, well, that's it then, I'm never going to say anything more about Jesus. That's not what I'm saying at all. What I am saying is let's make ourselves available to the mission of God. But it's his, it's his mission. Secondly, we're commissioned to carry beautiful news. We're commissioned to carry beautiful news. Come over and help us, was the cry from that vision. Look at verse 13. On the Sabbath, we went outside the city gate to the river where we expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down and began to speak to the women who had gathered there. One of those listening was a woman called Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth from the city of Thyatira, who was a worshipper of God. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. Put it, putting it simply, life was good in Philippi. It was another day in paradise. This was a Roman colony, and they had what was known as the Italic Rite. 
And the italic right enabled you to live as if you were living in Italy, which meant a tax rate of zero. No taxes. Silver and gold mines in the area. This woman, Lydia, uh, was probably a very prosperous businesswoman. But understand this. In the midst of their plenty, the vision that came to Paul was still of a man saying, come over and help us. You see, the truth is, whatever we've got, if we haven't got God, we haven't got the foundation of life both now and forever. We've got to renew our confidence, I think, in this gospel that we have, this gospel that Gwen travelled thousands of miles to share, because it is good news. It's the news that still changes lives. That's the reason for planting a church in Windsor. That's the reason for praying for and supporting missionaries. Not for the expansion of an organisation, but the expansion of the kingdom of God. I've got to say, there's a challenge here for us, every one of us today, because wouldn't it be kind of sad if Gwen travelled thousands of miles to pass that news around? And they got it. And we happen to be here freely celebrating our joy in worship today. And yet for some of us, we're not yet getting the good news. I need us to know today that you can say to Jesus directly, would you please come and help me? Not just bless my life. Would you come and save me? Would you forgive me for my sin? Would you, would you enable me to live as a citizen of the kingdom of God, under your reign and rule, would you take charge in my life right now? And please know that when we get to the end of this sermon a few minutes from now, there is going to be an opportunity given for a response to that good news to happen both here and, uh, and in the South Auditorium. And I want you to be thinking about that. If you're not a Christian right now, uh, this is not, please sign up for Timberline. This is, why don't you open your heart to the kingdom of God? You're very welcome here, but it's not about Timberline. This is about Jesus and his beautiful news. The third and final thing is that we're on a mission on a battlefield. We're on a mission on a battlefield and there is reaction and opposition in the supernatural realm, actually, as this message <coughs> is shared. Look at verse 16. Once when we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune telling. This girl followed Paul and the rest of us, shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. She kept this up for many days. Finally, Paul became so troubled that he turned around and said to the spirit, In the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. At that moment, the spirit left her. This girl was trafficked. She was a slave in the employment of oppressors who were using her. And in the Greek of the text, she had a pythona, a pneuma pythona, a python spirit. And as the apostolic team arrives, she starts hollering, she starts yelling. These men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. Now, the first couple of times she did that, Paul probably thought, thanks honey, that's pretty good marketing and advertising. Really appreciate your help. 
It's just that she wouldn't quit for a couple of days. That got old. Not only that, it got confusing because the Jews hearing her would understand that this term most high God was a Gentile way of referring to God. But the Greeks in the city of Philippi would have been confused because most high God was the common way of referring to Zeus. So do you see what's happening here? The message is being preached, but as it's being preached, there is a, there's a collision, there's an ignition, an eruption of opposition. And this demonic thing starts to happen, and as a result of that, uh, the apostles are, are, are arrested and, and, and beaten. This is a supernatural deal. That's, that's why we need to pray. It's not just God bless our missionaries. We're involved in a battle here. When Kay and I were teenagers, we, uh, back in 1837, we, we went on a, a Sunday school outing to a coastal town in England. And we were wandering around. And we went to the pier on the boardwalk. And parked there on the pier was a fortune teller's booth. You know, kind of Madam so-and-so and... And she had, there was a crystal ball outside and, and, and it looked like a kind of seaside sideshow. Um, but we noticed that quite a lot of people were lining up to go in there and have their fortune told. And uh, I, I need to say to you that this is a bad idea. Uh, it's more than a bad idea. It's an idea. It's a practice that God warns us quite strongly about in Scripture because it can open us up to deception. Uh, it's not that there's nothing in all of that stuff. There is something in that stuff. And it's what's in it that's the problem. So Kay and I decided to, to, to pray about it. And uh, I said, look, why don't we just, why don't we just stand 25 yards away? There was a railing there by the beach. And I said, well, just lean out on the, on the railing and we'll just look like we're just a couple of kids just looking out over the, over the ocean and... and we, we, won't have, we won't put a big sign up that says, yes, we are kingdom of God super warriors interceding right now. We didn't yell or we didn't say anything. In fact, we silently prayed. We looked like a couple of kids looking at the ocean. No one would know, would they? Oh, yeah. About five minutes after we started praying, the fortune teller lady headed out, headed straight over to us. And she said, will you get out of here? Actually, she didn't say that, but you don't want to know what she said precisely. But she indicated in a very unsubtle manner that she did not want our presence in the vicinity. She said, will you get out of here? She said, I'm not getting anything. <laughs> we were interrupting her internet connection. <laughs> and I realized at that moment, that the, the, you see, folks, this stuff is real. This is real. And that is why when, when we hear the, the encouragement from Pastor Mark that we, we pray for those on the front line of mission that we give, that we continue to support, we do that because we are doing mission on a battlefield. Well, before we get done with this message, I, I, I want to introduce you to, to one more person. I would like to invite uh, Rick Felton to come uh, right now and join me 
on the platform. I'm grateful to Rick for sharing uh, with us over the course of this weekend. Rick is an oral surgeon. And uh, Rick, thanks for being here uh, throughout these services. You went uh, with your family to, to Guatemala on a missions trip. You're a busy man. What prompted you to do that? I'd been on two prior mission trips, uh, one to Guatemala and the first to Peru, actually with Gwen, who you met earlier in the service, just an amazing missionary, an amazing woman. Uh, the first trip was with my daughter and my brother. And it was really, uh, both trips were incredible experiences. The, the book of James, which has always been one of my favorite books, uh, really emphasizes living your faith through your actions and service to others in need. And I think we're fortunate to be part of a church that partners with other churches here in the community uh, to serve those needs here in the community. But there's no greater stage for seeing the need that exists in the world when you go to a developing nation and experience that poverty face to face. And I really wanted to share that experience with my uh, wife, Irene, and my son, Matthew, this time. So they were able to go with me. Rick, as you point us to the book of James, you remind us that this is not just about Christians doing good things. This is something that echoes the heartbeat of God as he cries out for the injustices that are, are in the world. What, what was your primary role as you went together as a family on that trip? As an oral surgeon, I kind of ran our four-person uh, dental clinic, if you will, which was primarily an extraction clinic. Uh, we had Matthew, Irene, and then uh, Melanie, who is the daughter of our Guatemalan missionary, Carrie. And uh, we essentially, from morning till um, late in the afternoon, uh, extracted teeth all day and did some minor surgical procedures as well. I'm sure there were many, many moments during that trip that were impactful. Is there one that you could, you could share with us? Sure. Um, it was uh, in the treatment of a patient whose name was Rualdo. Rualdo was a, an 11, 12-year-old Guatemalan boy with special needs. Um, he had the physical stature of somebody that was probably five to six years old, but a face of somebody much older uh, and many, many challenges in his life. But his immediate challenge was a mouthful of completely decayed teeth, uh, several of which were causing a severe infection, which probably within 24 to 36 hours would require hospitalization. And uh, last week, Pastor Derry talked about everybody being a part of the body of Christ and with no part being of greater or lesser value. And the treatment of Rualdo really uh, exemplified that. Um, Matthew would hand me instruments. Irene um, would, would caress and, and kind of comfort Rualdo and Mel uh, would speak to him in Spanish. And, and it's important to note that prior to us coming there, Rualdo had been seen by another humanitarian team that because of his level of cooperation, they were able to do very little for him. But through the efforts of everybody, uh, and Mel had this little thing where she would rub his earlobes as she would talk to him to comfort him, we were able to remove uh, eight severely infected teeth, drain his infection, get him on some antibiotics, and to see him back uh, a couple of days later to confirm that he was indeed doing much better. But I would ask uh, before I go, if you all have a prayer list, uh, to put Rualdo's name on that, because he is going to need your prayers uh, throughout his life. Wonderful. Thanks. Let's say thank you to, to Rick, shall we? Thanks so much. Wow. Well, the mission of God, he directs it. And we're part of it as we make ourselves available both individually this afternoon and next year. 
corporately together in projects that we share as Timberline together. Let's affirm again that this is beautiful news that we have. Perhaps in the next few moments, some of us will make a response to that news. And let's pray, because we do mission on a battlefield. Let's pray together right now. Lord, we thank you for every, every occurrence of your kingdom breaking out through all that we have heard about today. We pray for Roaldo, for that young man. As Rick has asked that we pray, we ask that wherever he is today, that you will continue to impact his life. We pray for those, every one of those 80 missionaries. And we ask you to strengthen them in the battle today. And we pray for ourselves, Lord. The mission is not ours, but you include us in it. You partner with us as we are willing. Move upon our hearts by your Spirit in this moment. I wonder as our heads are bowed if there are some of us who might say, you know what, I, uh, I used to be happy to talk about Jesus, but I don't do much of that anymore. And I'd like that to change. And I wonder if there are some of us who would say, you know, I've never done that. I've never been able to testify to others about what Jesus has done for me. I, and I, I'd like that to change. I'd like to have that opportunity. I want to present myself to God for the doors that he will open. It's his mission. If you feel like that, can you do something real simple just to... to to respond to God really would you just slip your hand up for a moment just do it right now I, I, I want that to change Lord and you can put your hands down thank you for that we pray for each one Lord for doors of opportunity for courage for wisdom to share words kindly beautifully pray for each of us, Lord, that we might live well for you, live provocative lives that beg a question. I want us just to pause one more moment in prayer because I mentioned earlier that I'm sure there are some of us who would like to receive the good news right now, the beautiful news. You'd like to say to Jesus, come and help me. I don't understand all this stuff, Lord, but I, I want to know you. I want to clearly invite you to come into my life right now and rescue me. If that's where you find yourself, I'd like to invite you immediately, please, just to slip your hand up for a moment and then put it down again. Would you do that right away? Thanks for doing that. If that's, if that's where you're at, I just invite you in your own heart to say something like this to God. Lord, come and help me. I don't ask just for your blessing, Lord. I offer you my life. I want to follow you. Thank you that you've done everything that needs to be done in order to rescue me from myself and from my sin. Now take charge, Lord. I invite you at this moment to be my rabbi, to be my teacher. Show me the way that I should go. Change my heart and life. 
and transform me into being all that you want me to be. Thank you so much, Lord, for hearing my prayer. I offer it in Jesus' name. Amen. The big words that we're singing, Lord. Jesus conquered the grave. That's bigger than anything we face. With that strength in us, with the knowledge of that, take us into our mission field this week, we pray. Allow us to live the beautiful news for the glory of God. We agree together. In Jesus' name, everyone said amen. Hey, listen, this is the only time you're going to hear this from an Englishman. Have a very happy... Fourth of July. God bless you. Enjoy yourselves. Have a great weekend. Prayer team are going to be here. If we can pray with you, we'd love to. The booklets are here as well. Come and pick one up. God bless.